This is The Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Greg and I today for The Real Magic Design Podcast, where we unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that is profitable. I am Alan from Pixel Partners HQ, and here is my co-host, Greg, from Studio One Design. Hey, Al. How are you, man? Mate, I am awesome. You know, just uh, business is busy. The team are superstars. Uh, Really, I've got nothing to complain about at the moment. That's cool, man. Are you growing as a result of everything being awesome? You know, the interesting thing is when you look at our numbers, we are doing more revenue and substantially more profit today than we were doing 12 and 18 months ago with a much smaller team, which says to me that we have the right people trained in the right way with the right standard operating procedures to be fantastic, right? If you have that combination, it it goes really, really well. Yeah, so you have the smaller team now, not before. I have a smaller team now than I did 18 months ago, but yeah. that's changing again. So it's it's progressively growing. Yeah. We had to adjust our training and our procedures because we went through such rapid growth. What was happening is we were bringing people on that probably weren't the right people to match the culture. Mm-hmm. And they certainly weren't following the training that we, we had provided. So we, we've set a put a line in the sand and said, anybody on this side of the line... If you're not willing to work the systems, then this is not the right place for you. And all the new people come in, we make sure they're on the other side of the line where, you know, they want to be the best they can be and working the systems allows them to do that. Yeah, that's cool, man. And I imagine, you know, you would have lost some people in doing that. But yeah, like you said, when you bring new people in, it's really clear what's expected. Yeah, and look, yeah, people think, oh, creative industry, right? It's fluid, it's free-flowing. You know, they don't... The word systems and creativity seem to be at loggerhead. But the reality is, if you run a creative business or you're a designer or you're any type of person that's creative, if you have systems in place, it actually allows you to be more creative because you don't have to think about all the other things that just all that happens because of the processes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%, man. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I have 14 designers and, and a few other people, etc. And yeah, without systems, it would just be a mess. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, what have you been up to? I've uh, just been working on an email nurture campaign, essentially, for for new leads. You know, we're, we're pouring a little bit of money into ads for attracting new leads to the business. But then I'm not really warming them up as well as I could be. You know, we're selling a reasonably high ticket item, I guess you'd say, and you'd need multiple touch points with someone to, you know, to build trust essentially. And yeah, so I'm just building out a 20 email nurture campaign for new leads. So yeah, that's exciting. We'll let you know how that goes. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's a big ticket item. It's all about you know, providing a ton of value to build trust, make yeah. them feel like they they know what you're going to deliver for them before they hit the go button. Because, you know, I mean, you get a lot of one-click sales where, you know, you've got great reputation in the industry. People know your work. They've seen you do something else. And really, you don't need to warm those people up. They just come and they say, well, Greg, I know you're the right person for the job because... Yeah. This person has either told me or I've seen the work. But then there's also a percentage of your traffic that would be sort of not quite at that point yet. 100%, yeah. And so they're the ones, the cold traffic are the ones that we're, we're concentrating on for this campaign. 
Yeah, nice, nice, yeah. mate. I'm having a blast. You got to hear this, right? So mm. I am going wireless. Right. Uh, I know that sounds really silly in today's day and age of Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, but I've gone and got wireless chargers for my phone. I've gone and bought myself a pair of Apple AirPods. I'm using the, you know, double click, uh, the double function click on the, the iMac. And I'm doing a lot more voice commands, voice to text, not voice, yeah, but voice conversion, you know, where you talk something yeah. and it types yep. it up for you. And, uh, you know, just using the AirPods to command my phone to, you know, make appointments for me and reminders and reply to emails and read emails. And, mate, can I tell you, once I wrap my head around how all this works, there is some huge efficiencies to be had with with some of these systems. So it's a lot of fun. I'll, I'll let you know in a few weeks once I've settled into to it what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, that'd be cool. And so when you say wireless, like you're you're doing more voice command stuff. Yeah, but even things like, you know, having on my desk, in my car, and one other place where I charge my phone, having a wireless charging pad, one of those uh, yeah, Qi yeah, charging yeah, yeah. pads. Yeah. So I don't have to remember to plug it in. And, you know, the, the iPhones have the plug in the bottom, so they don't quite sit nicely if you want to ha- be able to see the screen. And, and yes, a lot more voice. So mm. using the Apple AirPods and the Siri functionality a lot more in what I do instead of having to pick up the phone and, and physically type it or use my keyboard on the computer. That's cool, man. Look at you go. Hey, the future is here and you're using it. <laughs> Mate, and, and you know, like you, you look at what people are doing with these home pods and yeah. Google Home and all this sort of stuff, and it really is the future and, and works exceptionally well. And I can't imagine how good it's going to be in six months, 12 months, two years' time. Mm, most definitely, man. Watch this space. Cool, yeah. man. Well, all right. Well, let's uh, let's have a look at today's topic. So we're talking about essential evergreen marketing principles. And once again, this is the last of a five-part series based on what I or notes that I took from the Traffic and Conversion Summit 2018, right over in San Diego. And uh, yeah, so this one's really broken down into two two speakers and you know some notes from them. But then you know our general conversation around the notes. And the first one was Chris. Mercer from measuremarketing.io and his topic was know your numbers and to me this is something that is crucially important in every business and this is more around the numbers of your marketing funnel okay so that's what we're going to discuss now so really he started off by sort of talking about you know the fact that we we pour money time and effort into the top of the funnel and then money comes out the bottom but there's a lot of stuff that happens in the middle and we sort of need to work out what happens in the middle and that's what he talk, talked about on this uh, in this presentation. Look, firstly, let me say, I love that this is the last episode that you decided to do in the five series uh, and the five part series because, you know, as much as there are all these new whiz bang things, there are certain things that are essential and yeah. they are evergreen, right? Like they're, they're the basic principles that no matter what trend comes along, these things are important. And I, I love that the starting with your, your know your numbers, right? And I think numbers can be really overwhelming and it's very easy to focus on the wrong thing. I mean, a classic example is people focusing on things like cost per click. It's not about how much you spend, but what is the final return you got on your, your conversion? And mm. the interesting thing is, 
time and time again, I've seen when you look at a range of numbers, so you're talking about the numbers in the funnel from beginning to end, and I think it is important to know each step, but I think that inevitably there's always one critical point in the marketing funnel, one set of numbers that you should have as the big number on your dashboard, right? Because if that number starts to change, it can mean a huge amount of extra work for your business, which you need to be aware of, or it can also uh, uh, indicate a, a decline, and it varies from from business to business, you know. So like our friend James Tramco says, you know, he watches the numbers of, of sign-ups to uh, his, not his list, but his, his membership, mm-hmm. right? So he wants to know he's got whatever, um, look, I'm making these numbers up, I can't remember what it yeah. is, but it might be one or two sign-ups a day. And, and he knows that if he puts extra effort into his podcast, into his blog posts, into live events, that those numbers increase, right? And if he doesn't, those numbers decrease. But that's his that's his metric. If he's clocking over those two or three or four sign-ups a day, he knows that everything in front and behind is probably working well. Yeah, most definitely. But there's still probably a lot of gray area in the middle, especially when you're talking from podcast to a sale because, you know, podcast numbers, it's not its not that easy to track who's listening and, you know, what they touch, how frequently they're, they're you know, they have touch points with your business. So podcast is a, a, a tough one. But yeah, the point is he knows how much effort to put in at the front to get a result at the end. But this is this sort of episode here is about what happens in the middle. Trying to get that piece right can be can be quite challenging. Yeah. So what what are the big tips? What are the the strategies that that our listener should uh, should consider? Yeah. So what you really want to do is set up some form of dashboard. You touched on the word dashboard before, and I think that's you know crucially important. There are various tools out there. My Infusionsoft guy Mark Penny from Meppy.com previous guest on this podcast, by the way, is in the process of setting up an amazing dashboard tool for me called graphly.io, which uh, links into Infusionsoft. It has incredible, you know, reporting graphs and shows every step of the funnel to show me, you know, what can be improved. Now, we haven't got that set up yet. So I'll, I'll report on that in a future episode. But the point is, it will show you, for instance, like it depends on the data that you put into it. But let's say you're sending paid traffic to blog posts. You're also, you have organic traffic and there might be, you know, organic traffic to blog posts or sales pages or whatever the case is, your website in general. You might have social platforms. And so you might have referral traffic as well. And so all these things are different you know, entry points or starts at the top of the funnel, right? So then if you have different graphs for each of them and you can work out and you'll also set it up through Google Analytics, which is a beast in itself to set up properly. And, you know, I'd recommend getting an expert to do that for you. But if you have your Google Analytics set up and you have a dashboard set up like Graphly, then you can see which where each of those top of funnel leads are you know coming out the, the the bottom end to a sale and everything that happens in the middle so they might go from what we call a start to then become a lead you know that's so they've given you a, an email address essential essentially and then they would go into uh you know your email sequence and then you know you can measure how many times they go back to your website what pages they're visiting that sort of thing and then when they eventually get to a sales page you know you know what they're what they're purchasing you might have multiple products and then you know what their behavior is on the thank you page and 
you know, what the average order value is of that customer and especially over time, what the lifetime value is of that customer. So there's a lot of moving pieces in the middle, but if you have a, uh, you know, a dashboard set up properly, you can actually track and measure which areas are doing really well and which areas need improving. Look, you know, I'm sitting there listening to you, Greg, just thinking that is just so scary. How do you track all those numbers? And you did wrap it up nicely by saying if you have a dashboard, right? And, And I think the key is going to be is to create some kind of dashboard and then set a baseline. Right, And that could improve over time, but you need to say, for example, you know, moving from the beginning to the end, well, how many people do I need to be in front of or having conversations as prospects, you know, whether it's Facebook advertising or or any other inbound lead attractor, Mm -hmm. how many of those do I need to sign up and convert into leads of some sort? How many do I need to go through to the cart and so on? And then you can just incrementally improve each one of the steps, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's not about starting at the beginning, right? Sometimes, and you see this with a lot of businesses, they have very attractive offers. They get a lot of people to click on their, their I'm going to call it a lead attraction device because it may not be an ad, but for sake of an easy conversation, they're clicking on the ad, but then they don't necessarily put in their details into the lead magnet or, you know, they go in to, to be a lead, but they never ever convert or very small percentage convert to the cart. So it might be working one of those middle steps or improving one of those middle steps that could have a huge impact on your business. And you only know if you've got some kind of metrics that you can review on a regular basis. Most definitely. And and look, this so at the moment, you know, the, the area that I was struggling in was that piece in the middle and it still am, right? So um, it's just a bit of a blur at the moment. That's why I'm setting this up. And this is one thing that's come out of, you know, one of my three goals out of going to the Traffic and Conversion Summit is to set up this dashboard and to work on that piece in the middle. And that's why I'm doing this 20 email nurture campaign, you know, and it's to, like I said at the start, it's to warm people up and to build trust because you know it's a high ticket item essentially so yeah it's that big piece in the middle and i'm really excited about you know hopefully getting better results from from cold leads because yeah a lot of our leads do come from referrals and and you know uh, previous clients so yeah it's trying to convert a cold lead is is a lot more challenging but i'm up for that challenge and that's that's why i'm doing all this yeah and once you've done it you can obviously You've done it once and then it keeps working for you and then you can just make incremental improvements. So if you discover yeah. that one or two emails in that 20-part series just have epic results, yes. well, you could move it closer to the start of the of the, the funnel or closer to the top of the funnel, right? Spot on. Or you could reinforce that message, you know, at the cart and thank you page, which stops by remorse, you know. Yes. Like, so people have got to understand that knowing your numbers just gives you – Huge ability to focus on small improvements over time that can have a massive impact on your business. Yeah, most definitely. And yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like I'm sending in this 20-part series, there'll be a webinar in there. There'll be infographics. There'll be videos. There'll be podcasts. I'll be sending them to some episodes that we've done in our podcast, Al. And, you know, all these various forms of education, essentially, to, to help build trust. And yeah, then I'm, I'm excited to see what actually sticks the best, you know, what gets the, the best result and what path they take. And, and then, yeah, knowing your numbers, I'll be able to tweak that over time. And it's a long-term thing but man if you can get your numbers and work out every step of the funnel and and really improve each step of that funnel and then you can 
more or less, you know, design a, a high-performance marketing machine that the more you pour into the top, the more that's going to come out the bottom. Huh. Yeah, uh, I'll just hashtag agree. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So, yeah, very powerful session, and, and that's what I got out of it. So, yeah, big impact on my business. Um, you know, that's sort of one of my three things, big things that came out of the event. Cool. All right, so we're going to switch gears a little, but it's still around, you know, evergreen marketing principles. And I watched a sit-down interview at the Traffic Conversion Summit of Robert Cialdini being interviewed about his new book, Presuasion. So this is his, you know, most recent book, which is a follow-up book from Influence. And Influence, you know, is based on the six secrets of persuasion that we inject into every one of our website designs. And it's since reading that book, that you know it changed everything for for my business because that's part of our point of difference you know yes we do good looking designs but having these psychological drivers in every website that we design is the key difference to getting the great results so the six principles just for a quick reminder is reciprocity scarcity authority consistency liking and social proof right so you put all those things on your website designed in in a way that has a right you know the right sequence and you know everything to do with uh, helping people on their journey and, and putting the right pieces in the right right positions of the website can really boost conversions. So, but I don't want to get stuck on that. This new talk was about persuasion, the the follow up book. And so, persuasion is really it's the goal of it is to shift your prospect's mind, like their mindset, in the first interaction with your brand. So, it's really essentially putting your prospects in the right frame of mind before the, you know before they interact with your brand or buy your product so just just i know you don't like um tooting your own horn for uh, <laughs> greg but just for the listener what greg was talking about there the the six secrets of persuasion if you go back to episode 52 yep. of the real magic you'll find us that the first of a six-part series that greg did about these six principles so uh if you want a little bit of context on the, that those items you know head back there and check it out we're, we're talking about the next step or the next part of robert cialdini's book which is persuasion so uh sorry greg i i really no, just had to put that little plug in there for you you know we're a no pitch we're a no pitch um, yeah. show but it's a great six-part series so go back and have a listen yeah absolutely we go into detail of each one of those principles so yeah it's really cool and yeah if you apply that to your website you get great results so once you've persuaded them they become more favorable to your offers right so the persuasion needs to be inherently linked to your core offer okay i'll give you some examples in a sec but um, so you can persuade people by bringing their attention to like the setting the feature the situation or the outcome of the product or service that you offer. So an example he gave was like a betting company. They split tested ads and they sent these ads to a landing page and they showed you know an A and a B essentially. So the A was a picture of a bed with coins in the background and this led to more sales of cheaper beds, right? And then when surveyed, the customers said that that value was the most important thing to them, right? And then they did split test B, which showed a picture of a bed with clouds in the background, not coins, clouds, right? And this led to more sales of comfortable beds, right? And when surveyed, the customers said that comfort was the most important thing to them. So this is about thinking about how you're presenting your initial interactions so that you're 
persuading the right type of customer to come and interact with you for the right result. Yeah, Am I getting so, that right? Yeah, it's, it's a psychological shift in their mind that it's really even subconscious, right? So just by displaying these images, they're subconsciously thinking, you know, that's the outcome that I want, like coins, you know, it sort of relates to money and the, the coins, not dollars, so it's cheap, you know what I mean? And clouds, it's like comfort. So yeah, it's really framing their mind for what you're about to show them next before they get to your, you know, before they get to your sales page, essentially. Yeah, no, that, that's an interesting example that he gave. So, you know, when you were first describing this, I was thinking more uh, like Ezra Firestone does with Bloom by Sydney Joseph, where... Boom, boom. Uh, boom, yeah. boom, sorry, yeah. by Sydney Joseph. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> where, uh, you know, he does videos that talk about uh, natural beauty for for older women, you know, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and he's building trust well before he offers them a, a product to buy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I mean, really, that's probably the consistency side of it. So he's just introducing his brand on a consistent level. He's not asked for a sale at all. And then in his series, he'll use these other six secrets of persuasion. Like, you know, he has scarcity, like he'll have a coupon code scarcity. Uh, He's shown his authority, but liking and social proof depends on how much they've watched of each of the videos will be, you know, based on, on, on what he'll what he'll send them next essentially. But yeah, but this is really sort of before you get to that. It's like a, trying to frame their mind, their mindset before they get to sales page, just to seed something in their mind that's going to, you know, lead to, you know, a, a certain outcome. If you want them to take a certain direction, then like like the coins, for instance, would be cheaper and clouds would be comfort. That's the type of thing we're talking about here. So it's like a pre you know, mindset twe- uh, tweak. Yeah, look, I find that really interesting. Uh, and, and I'm going to continue listening to, to your notes here because I, I totally get it. I, I think it's a great idea. And it's it's all about having that, that little bit of thought about how you're positioning yourself before you start to market yourself. So... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so he also, you know, mentioned to survey your your paid customers, right? And so, you know, ask for their advice. He said, don't ask for the opinions, ask for their advice. An example he gave you know, on how to ask a better pre- a question would be, and he did a split test. So A, can you take a quick marketing survey? 23% conversion rate, right? Or B, do you consider yourself a helpful person? 77% conversion rate, right? Better because they go into a buyer search where they were helpful. Like that's what that's you know what they're thinking if you if you ask them that question. So, yeah, really, if you can ask people you know better questions like that, then they're going to give you insights into why they bought essentially, and then you can put that back into your persuasion marketing, you know, advertising and, and whatever else you do for persuasion. Your first interaction with them. Yeah, nice. Uh, look, I think I find that really interesting because, you know, I, I don't know about you, Greg, but do you get all these, how likely would you be to refer us emails these days? No. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I just bin them. <laughs> that's right. You know, <laughs> and that's all in and around uh, like NPS ratings, net promoter score ratings. That's oh, yeah. the, the, the question that they ask. And yeah, ask better questions. You'll get much, much better answers, and then you can leverage those answers. You know, asking the question of "Are you? How likely are you to refer us to somebody else?" doesn't give you any insights that you can use in your in your marketing. 
Yeah, it's a really good point, yeah. And so another question that he asked is, what's one thing about the product service that you're currently using that you would change? And that's a really powerful question. Yeah, nice. I like that. Is there anything I could do to improve our service to make your experience better is one that we use. But I actually prefer, I actually prefer the wording there because it's a, I think it's a little more direct. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So, all right. And then he said, then send new prospects a message of change, right? So based on the answers of the survey. So you really want to drill down the point of something new has occurred with your offer, right? So it's really a message of change, you know? So send it in the first week of your offer being released, not the first month. He said split tests show that you get much higher conversions. Send it on Monday or a Tuesday, but not at the end of the week because split tests show that, once again, higher conversions. But yeah, realistically, just saying that if you survey your, your prospects properly and you, you ask the right questions, then you can pour, you know, the answers or, you know, the things that people didn't like it or did like it and just let people know what's changed about your product. So then at that next point, you know, when you get the new prospects coming in, then you've got a a higher chance of getting closer to what they would want in the product. I love that, Greg. I really, really love that. I know this is going to sound stupid, but we take surveys and sometimes I take them, sometimes I don't. I mean, I hate to say it, I go through the survey processes uh, probably more often than most because I want to see what they're doing in their survey. What what questions are they asking? Oh, yeah. What responses do they want to get? But this is great. Like if you if you're going to survey your customers, right? Shout it from the treetops within a week that you guys have got that that thanks to the customers got, who went yeah. in the survey, we've been able to improve our service and this is how we're improving it. It's a yeah. real I think it's hugely respectful to your customers. Now, if I got that message after taking a, a week after taking the survey, firstly, I'd pay attention because yep. I've just taken the survey. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I would probably take the next survey because I feel like... They listened? Yeah. You know, back in my days before working for myself where I worked for other business owners, I really hated reporting for the sake of reporting, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to digress. I know we're probably going to stretch the episode a bit, but there's... There's an example of I was working as a senior manager in a company and we were required to submit or they decided they, I mean, they went to some conference or something and they decided that to get more productivity out of their managers that the managers needed to submit a weekly, what was it called? A plan of the week. What what my plan was for the week. Oh, yeah. Right? And to show how far back this was, we had to fax it in to the state manager who then passed it on to the national manager. And, you know, I had my department working like a well-oiled machine and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll fill it in. And then I just thought to myself, you know what? I have a system. I have a process, right? It's the same every week, every month. That's why it's successful. And so what I started doing was I started, I had a template and I would just change the date. So for the first month, I just changed the date and faxed through the same report, right? And then after the first month, I just couldn't be bothered changing the date. So I just refaxed the same one for nine months, right? So for, for four weeks a month, for nine months, I faxed through the same report. And that said to me that nobody was looking at this data. They were making 
you know, it's like me taking this survey and never hearing anything coming of it. It's disrespectful to the time of the customers, right? So the funny thing was that somebody then, one of the other team members decided to stop faxing their reports and there was a big blow up and they had a big manager's meeting and in front of the the national manager, everybody admitted to never changing their reports and the fact that, that, that all the managers felt like it was a complete waste of time because nobody was reading this information. No one was leveraging it. No one was making any suggestions. There was there was no point. So I think, I know that's a long-winded way around, but I think this happens really often when people send surveys out to customers. The customers start feeling, well, why am I, why am I giving this feedback? Yeah, Is it going it anywhere? Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know. You just, you got me really excited. I really love that. The next time I survey my customers, I am going to be sending out a message of t- change within one week yeah. of getting the responses in. That, that yeah. just got me really excited. <laughs> it's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, he's a smart guy. Cool. And then he just finished off with a couple of tips on your ads and sales page. Just be congruent with the imagery, you know, the visuals, the colors from your ads needs to be the same in your in the page that you're sending them to. You know, your headlines and, and uh, you're saying your headlines should have a sub-headline as well, but he's saying once again, um, it should be congruent from the ads to the, you know, the same messages essentially. So, yeah, but look, that's not the only thing his book's about. It's also, you know, about building a community and, you know, you, for instance, if you have like a Facebook group or whatever and you put people in there for free, that's kind of like a pre-suasion area, you know what I mean, where you're going to build trust with them over time and, you know, really it's the place where you're nurturing them. So, I mean, there's lots of ways to nurture and, and do pre-sales tactics but yeah this is what the whole book's about pre-selling uh, you know pre-selling them essentially pre-suasion <laughs> pre-suasion that's the name of the book nice <clears throat> and i've got it up on my audible now and i'm going to be clicking buy now as soon as we get off this episode <laughs> cool so that i can i can find out a little bit more mate that was that was great uh, there's some you know, I think if I had to say to the listener, there's one thing that you have to worry about, there's one thing that you should do, it is just get your basic numbers together. You know, um, how does your lead magnet convert? How many people convert from lead to a customer? And what's the lifetime value of that customer? And then each one of those components, just work on incrementally improving those and it'll make a huge difference to your business. Yeah, most definitely. Well, that's it, Al. That's our five-part series based on the, you know, what I learned at the Traffic and Conversion Summit. So I've, I just have one killer tip for this entire five-part series, and that is that there's no silver bullet, okay? So as you can see, there was, you know, probably 100-odd speakers. They all had different messages and all really helpful tips. So growing a business is a series of steps and you will grow a business if you focus on one step at a time. Nice. One foot in front of the other. Look, as long as you're moving forward, sometimes we're stumbling, but as long as we fall forwards, we're heading in the right direction. Exactly, mate. Exactly. So I think we're done, buddy. Thank you very much, listener. I hope you got a lot of, out of this. And I'd, look, I'd like to say a big thank you to Greg on behalf of the listener because <laughs> taking all those notes um, and sharing them with us was an epic undertaking. So I'm really grateful to that. Listener, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com.